Online Trading Academy is a leader in investing and stock trading education. Sign up for a class today to learn proven strategies on how to trade smarter. Text RANTS, R-A-N-T-Z, to the number 57682 and register for a free workshop in Bellevue and other surrounding areas. Text RANTS to 57682. This hour of the Jason Rant Show brought to you by Robbins and Company Structural Moving and Foundation Repair. Lots of news happening all around the world and right here at home. Producer Darren, push that button. What's trending? Big picture. Joy Reid, for the first time since the controversy started last week, she spoke out about the anti-gay and anti-Muslim blog post that she had written in the past. So she says, I didn't write it. Even though she has a history of writing anti-gay blogs and anti-gay tweets and using jokes that woke Joy Reid would certainly say is inappropriate, even though she has that past, she says this time she didn't do it, that she was the victim of a hack, and she has proof, only she wasn't actually hacked, and the proof that she claimed she had doesn't actually exist. So now her story is simply, I don't remember writing these things. A community that I support and that I deeply care about is hurting because of some despicable and truly offensive posts being attributed to me. And many of you have seen these blog posts circulating online and in social media. Many of them are homophobic, discriminatory, and outright weird and hateful. When a friend, By the way, just real quick, I don't find what she wrote discriminatory. She was writing jokes. She was writing jokes, and I'm not going to give her a hard time for writing jokes, even if some people find them offensive. When a friend found them in December and sent them to me, I was stunned. Frankly, I couldn't imagine where they'd come from or whose voice that was. Yours. In the months since, I've spent a lot of time trying to make sense of these posts. I hired cybersecurity experts to see if somebody had manipulated my words or my former blog. And the reality is they have not been able to prove it. Okay, let's just pause for a moment there. Because you just heard her say on MSNBC that she hired this cybersecurity dude to find out, prove, and they conf- right. You read this as there's no proof. That's they what haven't she found it yet. Okay. This is what she said to Mediaite last week. This is a direct quote coming from her statement. In December, I learned that an unknown external party accessed and manipulated material from my now defunct blog, The Read Report, to include offensive and hateful references, blah, blah, blah. I began working with the cybersecurity expert who first identified the unauthorized activity, and we notified federal law enforcement officials of the breach. The manipulated material seems to be part of an effort to taint my character with false information. Okay. She says he first identified the unauthorized activity, but she just said there's no evidence to suggest a hack took place. So she's lying now or she's lying then. Which is the actual lie? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I have proof that this was hacked, and then say, it doesn't exist. So if the proof is not there that you were hacked, then how do you say that you were hacked? This is a lie. She is a liar. But here's what I know. Okay, what do you know? I genuinely do not believe I wrote those hateful things because they are completely alien to me. But but they're not alien to you. You've made similar comments in the past when you went after Charlie Crist and Ann Coulter. I mean, they're not alien at all. They're almost the same exact jokes just done over and over and over again to slightly different people. So don't tell me that it's alien to you. There's nothing alien about it. You've already apologized for past anti-gay statements. But I can definitely understand, based on things I have tweeted and have written in the past, why some people don't believe me. 
I've not been exempt from being dumb or cruel or hurtful to the very people I want to advocate for. I own that. I get it. And for that, I am truly, truly sorry. She is a liberal, so she's going to get a pass. She mocked Ann Coulter's looks, so it's okay because Ann Coulter, who she calls a transgender dude, it's okay because Ann Coulter's a Republican and Joy Reid is a liberal. It's what lets Michelle Wolf attack Sarah Huckabee Sanders for her looks. It's because while Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a, a conservative, Michelle Wolf is doing the work of a liberal, we're going to give it a pass. That's all that this is about. But what I find particularly, frankly, disgusting and demeaning about this is she's got this strategy that is very clear, it's very simple, and it's really, really effective if you fall for it. And a lot of people, particularly on the left, are going to fall for this. She brought on to her show, did you watch the whole thing? I watched a good portion of I watched the whole panel. She brought on a panel of token gays. These were the token gays to put up there and say, absolve me of my anti-gay jokes, when the story is not about the anti-gay jokes. The right isn't upset that she made jokes about gay people. That's not what this is about. This is about the cover-up. She doesn't talk about the cover-up. She didn't bring people on to absolve her of this made-up story that she was hacked. What she did was bring people on to argue a point that no one's making, which is she currently is a homophobe. No one one believes right now that Joy Reid hates gay people. No one believes that she's the same person she was when she wrote the anti-gay blogs and tweets. No one's taking that position. The concern is over the lie of this hack that happened that you, by the way, told us you even went with evidence to the FBI. And yet now you say you have no proof that the hack took place. So what did you give the FBI? Are you wasting the FBI's time? That's what it seems like. And so you bring on the token gays who are progressive who will say, Oh, I give. don't worry what you said in the past. It doesn't matter because this is what you stand for now. And by the way, think of all the horrible things that are happening under the Trump administration. They immediately pivoted to the Trump administration and tried to make the story that's supposed to be about Joy Reid truly about Donald Trump and Mike Pence. In fact, Brandon Wolf, the vice president of an organization called the Drew Project, says it was Mike Pence if he were president. Who would just put gay people in concentration camps? I'm proud of you, and I appreciate the words that you open the show with, but I just want to cut through it all and keep it very real with people about what we're up against. Okay, what he's about to say is we're going to go after Pence. So what he really means to say is this story about you going after gay people and then lying about the heck, it's not about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Pence and Trump. We have homophobic psychopaths running the United States government today. That's the reality. We have a secretary of state, as was mentioned, that believes that gay people are sinners based on who they are. If Mike Pence... God bless him, ended up in the White House, sitting behind that desk in the Oval Office, he would have us all in concentration camps hoping to pray away the gay. That's what we're actually up against. That statement is so unbelievably irresponsible. Let me just remind you, the only president of the United States that have ever, that has ever put anybody in concentration camps happened to be FDR, a Democrat. Republicans are not talking about putting people in concentration camps. Democratic presidents actually have. This whole idea that all of a sudden Mike Pence is going to throw gays into a concentration camp. And you're using that as an effort to ignore the actual story of Joy Reid lying about a hack. Shame on you. How disturbing of a human being. Like, what is mentally wrong with you, Brandon Wolf, for you to do that?
You say you care about gay people and the LGBTQ community, and yet you're so willing to use them to go after a political opponent so long as it gives your friend Joy Reid a little bit of a pass. Baltimore Sun media critic David Zerwick was on NBC. It was on CNN saying, "Yeah, NBC owes an actual investigation into this." Andy Lack, president of NBC News. This has been bubbling in the internet and in social media for a long, long time. Okay, she brought it on her show Saturday morning. NBC News now owes us an investigation of this because we don't look. I watched it Saturday morning live. I read everything about it. My feeling is I don't know exactly what she's saying even. I'm confused by what she says happened with this. But if it is what I think it is that I was hacked, that I was, we couldn't find evidence of the hack. I wrote some things in the past, but now I can't believe I wrote them because that's not me. Look, you have to click. You know, if you walk in a newsroom with a story and said something like that, yeah. The editor would say, hey, Stelter, what do we know to actually be true here, okay? Mm. That's your lead, write that sentence. A news organization needs the same thing. They need to offer its audiences clarity, and they need to offer their audiences some kind of credible information that they can believe. Now, the one thing I will say, that, uh, I'll say this, Joy Reid is not a journalist, so let's not treat her as a journalist. She's someone who gives an opinion. She's an editorialist for MSNBC, and that's the only role that she serves. Now, keep in mind, though, that doesn't absolve her from this from the sin she's committed, the journalistic sin, which is using NBC and MSNBC to to just lie about a hack that never took place. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? The sports. You know, I was getting super upset about the Joy Reid stuff and we're going to jump into the Michelle uh, Wolf stuff in a bit. But finally, I get just some solace from from politics and get to actually enjoy just two minutes of my own show. Let's talk about yesterday's Sounders. Why did you do that? Uh, it's 6.14. You're 24 seconds late. It's time for traffic. But I was literally about to get into the only topic that would make me happy today. I don't work the clock. The clock works me? Yes. That's your job. Yeah. Thanks, Darren. They lost anyway. The Sounders lost in the 93rd minute. There's only 90 minutes in the game, and they lost in the 93rd. And there's only negative okay. 49 okay. seconds okay. left. Okay, yeah, okay. You get Just, the traffic. Get, okay, go traffic. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Jason Ranch Show, live in the Online Trading Academy studio. And send me your text messages on the Kate Stage hotline. 1-800-465-8770. That's 1-800-465-8770. The KTTH hotline brought to you by Numb Better Tax Resolution. 1-800-465-8770. A woman with multiple sclerosis was tied to a wheelchair with a blanket by Delta Airline employees. That at least according to her family. But the airline says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what happened at all. So let's go through some of the details, because this is not the first time that Delta, or really an airline in general, is getting hit with these charges. Sometimes it turns out, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Some of, them, some of the times it turns out, no, that's not what happened at all. Maria Celiagas said the airline usually provides a wheelchair with straps because she can't sit up on her own. That according to WSB in Atlanta. However, Delta in this case did not have the appropriate equipment when she landed in Amsterdam earlier this month. Family said they ended up tying her down with dirty blankets. That's not how you're supposed to do it. 
Maria's son, Nathan, says Delta really failed his family in this situation. I definitely know that they're a good airline. I'm not doubting that at all. But they're all in right. this specific situation, there was no courtesy, no respect. That there was a complete operations failure. They took a dirty blanket and tied her forcefully with it. And uh, she has bruise marks on this part of her arm, which is where it was tied. I want to sh- them to show initiative that they're willing to change the disability services. Now, Delta says that's not what happened at all. That, yes, the wheelchair vendor was there. Maria got into the chair. She said she was slipping, then agreed to use a blanket to make her feel a little bit more comfortable and more secure. Now, they weren't dirty the way the family said. The the family claimed that these were dirty blankets that were tying her. Delta says, no, they came from a sealed bag. They, They were clean. They went through the process. So the family ends up complaining to the airline. Delta then says, okay. We're, we're, we're sorry, we want you to just basically go away. Here's 20,000 free Sky Miles, which I think will get you on a 45-minute ride. Like, whenever you get, I know it sounds like 20,000 is a lot. That's worth, like, $10. Like, it's just, it's nothing. It's generally how these stupid things go. But the family said, no, that's not enough. They hope Delta changes this policy. You just heard it, which I don't know if that's a legitimate gripe. Right. I mean, if, if Delta says this is not the policy and no one believes that this is the policy of Delta Airlines. Right. Can, can we all safely say let's just, let, let's go with Maria and Nathan and say that this happened. Is it fair to suggest that that's not normal policy, that it's not written down somewhere in the Delta handbook that suggests if you have someone who's dealing with multiple sclerosis and is falling out of her wheelchair, tie her to the wheelchair with dirty blankets. Right. Not not the policy. Probably I would not. presume not. That's not written down anywhere. Darren, probably not the policy, right? Probably not the policy. Okay, I just, I just want to just like set that as a baseline. So simply saying we want the policy to change doesn't mean anything. What Nathan should do is say, you can just why don't you triple the the amount of sky miles? Why don't you send us home from Amsterdam for free? Right? I just, I don't understand what it is they're going for. Now the family's returning to Atlanta today, but it's not yet clear how they'll be traveling because they can't. Right, you can't take Delta again. And there was this big blackout, by the way, at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport over the weekend. So I'm not even sure if they'll actually get out today. But it, let's say they're leaving today. You can't take Delta again, right? Given all of this, uh, do you have much of a choice? You, you have, yeah, you have choices. I mean, Amsterdam is a major hub in Europe. There's well, but direct you've flights. You probably already bought a. F- but a presumably, round trip. they're giving you the. The dollars back, but then okay. it's incredibly expensive to then rebook just a one-way ticket from Amsterdam anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you gotta go with Delta again. But then does that cut into the claim that Delta is this horrible place that they should never visit until they change their policy? And what happens with the policy is the same when they come back on the other end and they get to Atlanta, and they're just given another blanket. It's like, but this time it's clean. Let's have about <laughs> that. It's a clean. It's not a, a dirty blue blanket. It's a clean blanket. And they just say, here's the wheelchair. Look, you, last time we tried the to help. It's like still wet. They just washed uh, it. <laughs> it's worse. It's not. It's not. They didn't just wash it. It's just grossness. What are you supposed to do in that case? And I, I don't, I feel like we'd be hearing more about this story if it was true. Right? I mean, I think people have investigated this and it doesn't seem true, which is why it never led the news. Because when you do have something that is demonstrably true, some sort of injustice at the hands of some evil airline, that does cut through into the national news and get significant coverage. But this one didn't. This one was fairly regional. I don't even remember how you found it. Uh, It got some coverage. Very, very little, right? 
I mean, I, I don't know how, I, like you said, I don't know how I find it, except for it would show up on one of the national sites that I check for but these type of news. Don't, don't you think if it was deemed true by journalists that this would be a much bigger story? That's why I'm I'm always suspicious of these these claims, especially, by the way, the only thing that you have is one photo that looks staged in the way like, hey, mom, get, get really angry. Maybe we'll get 70,000 sky miles out of this. And, and that was it. And it just it didn't. There was something about the photo that didn't seem like it told me the whole story. And I don't know why I felt that other than that's just how I felt. I felt the same way with the kid who uh, was told by Alaska Airlines who was puking on the flight. Oh, just here's a plastic bag. We're kicking you off here. Just puke into this bag. Like that story just on its surface didn't seem right. And then I did some of my own investigation. I found, no, Alaska Airlines did the right thing there. So I'm I'm willing to bet. Let's just blame the Dutch. Maybe that's what they do in the Netherlands. Maybe it's a cult. In fact, that they complained about something that's cultural to the folks who live in the Netherlands, it makes it uh, bigoted, their complaint. I, I need to work in crisis management, is all I'm saying. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. When we come back, there's an opportunity for students who are actually pro-gun rights to speak out on Wednesday. We're going to talk with the leader of a national movement, when we return, you're listening to The Jason Rancho. How are your tub and shower areas holding up? Did you know that locally owned Tub Cove guarantees your tub or shower area remodel for less than $6,000? Don't just take my word for it. Check out Tub Cove reviews online at tubcove.com. Welcome back to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH. The anti-gun students had their say. Now it's time for the pro-gun students to actually speak up. In the aftermath of Stoneman Douglas, if you were watching CNN, you'd think that all students want to restrict gun rights. But that's not actually the case. More and more students are starting to speak out against calls for gun control, including my next guest. His name is Will Riley. He's an 18-year-old high school senior from Carlsbad High School in New Mexico, and he's organizing a nationwide walkout in support of the Second Amendment. And when you're pro-gun, it's not necessarily easy getting any media attention, which is why I've invited Will on the show to help get word out. Joining me on the line is Will Riley. Will, good morning. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So May 2nd, 10 a.m., what do you want students to do? Well, we're asking students uh, to walk out of class for 16 minutes. We're asking for one minute less than the 17 minutes that was given to the uh, to the National Day of Action walkout. Uh, we don't want to disrupt anyone's education. Uh, the point is that we need to have the same treatment given to us by the schools that was given to them because we deserve an equal platform, and if not, uh, it's discriminating against our viewpoint. So locally, Washington State, we've got a number of high schools that have signed up so far. We've got Bellevue High School, Squim High School, Port Angeles High School, Eisenhower in Yakima, Olympia College. I believe uh, Richmond has a uh, high school that's participating as well. What? How are you, in fact, getting word out? Well, right now we're mostly using uh, social media, and then in my school we're doing things like passing out flyers. I know around the country a lot of our student leaders we have signed up are also doing things like that. Right now the, the way that people can sign up, as those high schools you named did, is that uh, they went onto our website, which is stampforthesecond.com, all spelled out, uh, and there are some big red buttons at the top of the page, can't miss them. 
uh, that'll tell you, you know, the different things you can do. You can see our map of schools, which I, I believe is what you were looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just make sure that we know that you're participating so that we can get you in touch with the materials that they need to start. What are some of the materials like? What What is it that you're handing out? Well, uh, I believe that it's actually past time when we can get this to people in time, but we we uh, did send out some shirts and stickers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, now we still have uh, it's kind of a how-to guide uh, that I actually created in conjunction with the Tea Party Patriots organization, who's okay. helping us to get some of our tech infrastructure off the ground and organizing things like that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, the students can see that. It contains some things like it'll have, uh, you know, a letter you can write to your administration to uh, ask permission to do this, uh, make sure you're doing it through the proper channels, uh, things like that. So why did you feel this was necessary? Well, I think that the reason that this is so necessary uh, and necessary for it to be the students that are involved is because I didn't choose this battleground. I didn't choose to make the high schools the battleground. That was chosen by the other side. But the fact is, the argument's being made that this is for the students, that, that gun control legislation is for the kids. But w- when I look around me, I, I see that that's simply not true. It's, it's lying by omission. And so whenever that emboldens Supreme Court Justice Stevens or former Supreme Court Justice Stevens to come out and call for the complete repeal of the Second Amendment, that was extremely concerning to me because that's a dangerous thing to do. What, what does the Second Amendment mean to you? Well, for myself, uh, I'm not a gun owner. Uh, you know, shooting guns is not my hobby. I think I think people like to act like, you know, people who support the Second Amendment, they're, you know, they're clinging to their guns. For me, this is about America, and this is about our foundation on unalienable rights. Uh, you know, the Second Amendment for me, especially since it's under attack, it means that, you know, a lot of people in this country want to alienate those inherent rights that we all have as human beings. And setting that precedent, it destroys the foundation of our nation. For, for you at your, your school in particular and, and your community, how many students are actually in support of gun culture? Because we, we hear a lot from students, and obviously the the anti-gun side has a little bit of help, significant help coming from the media in amplifying their voice. But we do, when we look at, at polling, it does seem to indicate that the, the younger folks are, in fact, anti-gun. Is, is that your experience? As far as, uh, you know, the students at, at my school, I would say that the majority of them are pro-gun, uh, though there, there is a sizable uh, minority that is anti-gun. Um, around the country, uh, I've gotten an extreme uh, amount of support from students who, who felt that they ha- weren't having their voices heard. And uh, in an op-ed I wrote that was actually just recently published in the Washington Examiner, uh, I cited the, there's a Pew Research study and a Gallup poll mm-hmm. that show that uh, on some issues involving guns and gun ownership, uh, the youngest group polled, which is, I believe, 18 to 24 or something like that, uh, they're actually about 10 percentage points more likely to support guns than the previous generation. Nice. Are you getting any flack for your positions? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, I'm definitely getting some flack from the people on the left. You know, that, that, that you know they like to say things like, uh, you know, you don't care about people's lives, mm-hmm. and, which obviously that's not the case. You know, they like to say that, uh, you know, my my life is more important than your guns. But, uh, you know, I, I think generally, it, it, you know, having a civil conversation with some of these people can, can solve it sometimes. But uh, a lot of times they, they won't budge. Well, I, I love what it is you're doing. Uh, I have to assume CNN is not giving you a whole bunch of support. So we're happy to give you some support if you're a student out there who's interested in organizing one of these moments for your school. It's on May 2nd. They're hoping at 10 a.m. 
that you conduct a walkout for 16 minutes all in support of the Second Amendment, head on over to StandForTheSecond.com. It's all spelled out, StandForTheSecond.com. You can sign up to host a walkout at your school. We'll, we'll give you some of the support that you need. Again, StandForTheSecond.com. So if you're a student or you know a student, if you have a student who is interested in something like this, send them over again, StandForTheSecond.com. This is student-led. This is a student-driven movement. They're the ones behind this, and they're not getting the support from the media, the mainstream media like a CNN or an MSNBC. So it's kind of up to us to actually spread the word. StandForTheSecond.com. I've been talking with the national organizer, Will Riley, from Carlsbad High School in New Mexico. Will, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you the best of luck on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Don't wait until it's too late. Bugs, rats, raccoons, and other critters cause damage to your health and your home safety. American Crawl Space Cleanouts was one of the first around town to combine pest and installation services and guarantee their work. AmericanCrawlSpaceCleanouts.com. Welcome back to the Jason Rancho live in the online trading academy studio. Good morning. Thank you so much for your text messages at 1-800-465-8770. That's 1-800-465-8770. I'd like to talk about if it's okay with everyone the Michelle Wolf situation, the controversy surrounding the White House correspondence dinner of which the president skipped out on but some of his staff members were there. You know, some of them before they 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 left in in protest. The internet is uh, a, a flurry after the comedian Michelle Wolf decided to roast the Trump administration. Well, mostly mostly giving a pass to the media and to Democrats. And this was an event where there was supposed to be light roasting. Not a full-on comedy central, over-the-top, needs-to-be-bleeped type of roasting. She didn't need to be bleeped, but she, well, a couple times. She said she used, she dropped a bomb. Yeah, but, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't over-the-top okay. vulgarity, right? Sure. I mean, it, there was so, it, I would have rated it PG-13. In the Washington Post, uh, high, or like, just the highlighted little clips, there was several bleeps. Okay. <laughs> I only watched about 10 minutes of it. So... People are calling her out because the intent was never to just be mean-spirited. It was supposed to have some fun. And generally speaking, you're given some some leverage to poke fun lightly at the individuals who are there. But she des- she decided to really, really lean in. And she's being called out for being mean-spirited instead of actually funny. And a lot of the concern has to do with how she approached Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of course, the White House press secretary, Here's a portion of the joke. And of course, we have Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We are graced with Sarah's presence tonight. I have to say, I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia and the Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Mike Pence, if you haven't seen it, you would love it. steps up to the podium, I get excited because I'm not really sure what we're going to get. You know, a press briefing, a bunch of lies, or divided into softball teams. (laughs) It's shirts and skins, and this time don't be such a little bitch, Jim Acosta. I don't get that. (laughs) 
What's the because she looks like a a softball player? Uh oh oh you don't get the softball part of the joke. Yeah, I mean I I I know what she's saying. I I have an understanding of how. Uh, I guess what maybe was the joke. Uh, maybe she like comes off like a mean As gym a, teacher vibe. Okay, okay. I'm, I've not heard that one. But have you heard that one before? No. Okay. And by the way, I do find it rather obnoxious that people try to dissect jokes, but I, you know, don't give me that look. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts. And then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. <laughs> like maybe that she's born with it. Flat. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. <laughs> and I'm never really sure what to call Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, is it Sarah Sanders? Is it Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Is it cousin Huckabee? Is it Auntie Huckabee Sanders? Like, what's Uncle Tom but for white women who disappoint other white women? Oh, I know, Aunt Coulter. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I don't think she should apologize, although many people are saying she should because she went a little bit too far. I kind of look at the White House Correspondents Association and say, well, you hired a comedian who, uh, is it fair to say she's known for this kind of humor? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, is this is this dramatically outside of what she's known for? Because I, I don't have too much of a knowledge base for Michelle Wolf. Uh, I know she's a stand up in New York. She works. They're she, all stand ups in New York. Yeah. In LA. Well, they're all. I, I, that's where she. That's yeah. like her background. So I mean, there's some people that are just are writers and they write jokes. Um, I mean, she's they, an actual stand up. Yeah, comedian. yeah. Uh, that's like her legitimate thing that she does. Um, I, I guess like th- this, like you said, it's it came off like a like an actual Comedy Central roast. Um, it's always been roast esque. I, I don't know. It's always been lightly roast esque. It, it's always been that way. And when it's when it when it gets away from that, that's when people start to have conversations about it. A la Stephen Colbert doing mm-hmm. it. I think she's. Uh, I, I can't say that she necessarily has a reputation of for being vulgar. I, I think a lot of people are calling her out for using language. I think this sounded like a stand up set you you'd see mm-hmm. if you went to a New York club. Um. But. So basically, they got what they paid for. And so I, I, I don't take issue with Michelle Wolf per se, unless we find out that they told her expressly not to do this kind of content. And it kind of feels like that's what they told her. Uh, at least, so the White House Correspondents Association, they put out a statement, Margaret Taleb, who's the, the in charge of this thing, she put out a statement, and it says in part, uh, blah, 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 uh, blah, 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 blah. Last night's program was meant to offer a unifying message about our common commitment to a vigorous and free press while honoring civility, great reporting, and scholarship winners, not to divide people. Unfortunately, the entertainer's monologue was not in the spirit of that mission. Now, did you tell her that mission? Like, did you tell her before she took to the stage, our intent is to be civil, mm-hmm. is to highlight free press, and that's it? Or did you just say, hey, would you like to do a monologue and, and some jokes at our event? And we, clearly it's about freedom of speech, so we're not going to go over your, your shtick beforehand. Go. 
Don't have a comedian then. Yeah. If, if it's that important to you, don't have a comedian. Just have a little graduation ceremony for the people you want to honor, and no one, no one will be interested. Um, it'll, it's that sounds very boring to yeah. everyone. Uh, but if that, if that's, if it's so important to you to not cause any controversy, then don't invite a comedian. And yet everyone is saying that she needs to apologize. Here's ABC News's John Carl. There's a lot that was good at the dinner celebration of the First Amendment, some uh, journalism awards, scholarships. I, I think that the comedian crossed the line and this went from uh poking fun to being mean-spirited it was very uncomfortable i think that sarah sanders uh, handled herself uh very well uh considering what was what was coming her way and i think that most people in that room uh, uh we're, we're we're uncomfortable we're uncomfortable with the direction of of the jokes no question at all and and certainly the only thing it will do is is uh, uh you know results probably more goodwill for sarah sanders because nobody uh should have to sit through that and and there's the irony of that these people hate sarah huckabee sanders they think she's a liar they think she's a horrible person yet anyone who has been watching the coverage of this would likely come away from this giving her some sympathy saying she's the sympathetic character and all of this and michelle wolf is the evil one andrea mitchell over at msnbc says the press secretary is owed an apology so Whatever the intent was for all of this, it certainly backfired. Now, I'm a believer that you should never apologize for comedy, even if the comedy is bad. Even if people in society have overwhelmingly deemed it that you went a little bit too far. And so for the conservatives out there who are calling for an apology, with all due respect, you should not be. Because you sound like giant hypocrites here. This whole idea that we are policing words too much. The thought police is out there. We have to be too politically correct. Well, she broke the politically correct rules. And you don't have to celebrate it. You don't have to laugh along with it. But you shouldn't be calling for an apology. Now, those people on the right who want to pretend that no apology is due, well, with respect, you created the rules. You're the ones who said you can't be politically incorrect, even in humor. You're the ones who said overwhelmingly you can never joke about a woman's appearance. Because if you do, it shows you to be a sexist. We're the party of women, the Democrats say. We're with her, the Democrats say. Me too, the Democrats say. And yet all of a sudden, because the target of the humor that you once told us was inappropriate 100% of the time, the target happens to be a Republican. So you're saying to yourself, oh, well, well, she doesn't really have to apologize. She doesn't have to apologize. You know who has to apologize? Donald J. Trump for all the things he said. You can't have it both ways. You have to be consistent. And it makes it really easy for someone like me to do a segment like this because I'm really consistent. I don't think you should apologize for jokes. I think they hired Michelle Wolf. She did what she does. That's what she does. She makes jokes. She makes people uncomfortable. You're supposed to be made uncomfortable with humor. Do I think her stand-up was particularly funny here? No. I mean, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders have just seemed really lazy to me. I didn't particularly hear any anything funny. Does it mean she's not a funny comedian? No. doesn't mean that, but it probably means that she took the opportunity to be a little bit more ideological than comical. And this is the end result of this. But I just love the hypocrisy that's coming from both sides. She should not have to apologize. She made one joke that was uh, sort of getting ignored in all of this that I think most people would listen to, particularly if you're conservative. And and, and even lots of liberals, I have to assume, think that this went way over the line. My defense is what happens when Anderson Cooper isn't gay. that brushes his teeth and then drinks orange juice and thinks, mmm. Mike Pence is also very anti-choice. 
He thinks abortion is murder, which, first of all, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> and when you do try it, really knock it. You know, you got to get that baby out of there. And yeah, sure, you can groan all you want. I know a lot of you are very anti-abortion, you know, unless it's the one you got for your secret mistress. It's fun how values can waver. Okay. Did she at least start the whole event with a funny joke? Good evening. Here we are, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Like a porn star says when she's about to have sex with a Trump, let's get this over with. (laughs) I mean, that one was all right, I guess. Right. Comedy standards. I don't know. I just thought for the most part, it felt a little flat to me. You thought it was funny? I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I watched what the highlights. You, pulled, um, you thought it was funny? Yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, what, no, 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 what's, no, no, what's not what, fine? What's, Do you think what's, it's fun? what's the last Mulaney. one you loved? John what's Mulaney, the, what, anything he's never, that he does. He's never done as well. Oh, I have correspondence dinner. He I don't, should. No, he shouldn't. He doesn't do any yes, political he humor. He should. Maybe but maybe that's what this needs is not political humor. Ugh, boring. No. Would you say that about John Mulaney? I've watched John Mulaney, but I'm saying it's not going to be political and it doesn't need to be because that's not his thing. Donald Trump, you know who my wife loves? Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> Not you, but Timothy Chalamet. And it hurts my feelings. See, yeah. That would be hysterical. Okay, then again, if you want, if that's what you want, I, just do, just I want funny comedy. Do, to do a set that's not political at all, but just have a fun little stand-up night, I guess. I'd like to hear how he does politics. I bet you he does it in a charming way. I bet you he's able to do it in a way that doesn't get mean, unless it's towards himself. John Mulaney's the best. Well, I'm the best. John Mulaney is second best.